right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Man, good to worship with you guys today. Uh, before I get into everything today, I want to say hello to our family who's joining us online. And a special shout out to our family from Upshur County Jail. Come on, let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. We're so grateful that you're with us today. We're going to jump into the book of James today, but before I do that, a couple quick things. One, I wanted to make you aware of the song that we introduced you today was a song that our team wrote, The God of More. And of course, it would be a song that we wrote that everything would break down, like we were losing mics left and right. The enemy does not want you to worship to this song. So um, it is the word for the year that God gave our church of more, and we're just believing for God to continue to do more in us and through us. And so I just want to give them honor for everything that they did working on this. Hopefully they can hear you back there, but uh, they spent lots of time, lots of time working on that song. Um, and also, October is a very, very busy month for us here at New Covenant. We had a worship night last night, which was amazing. And then also we have on October 31st, which we've been talking about this a little bit, our block parties. Uh, one of the things that we do on Halloween is we throw these block parties through our life groups. About 2019, I had this idea, I really feel like it was the Lord, because all my life growing up, we left the house on Halloween. We went to these uh, fall fests or church events as alternatives. And we would watch a movie or go to like a carnival type thing. And I felt convicted about that because one day a year, everybody comes to your house. And people don't want to go door to door to share Jesus. But then one day, everybody's coming to your door. And I was like, man, we are missing an opportunity. Because if you told any business on this one day, everybody's coming to your business, they would be open and they would be prepared, right? And so I was like, all right, so what can we do to engage people who are coming to our doors? And so we decided to throw these block parties through our life groups. And uh, it's a night where we get out on the front lawn and we pray with people and we share Jesus with them and we love on them and we invite them to the At The Movies series, which starts the very next week. So it's a great way to invite people to church who would never initially come to church, but you tell them to come and watch a movie and eat popcorn, and they'll be like, you said church, right? <laughs> and then they'll show up, and the power and the presence of God is here, and they're going to be shared a message that will tell them about Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a life group, first of all, why are you not a part of a life group? That's the first question we got to address. No. But if you're not in a life group and you want to be a part of a block party, we are opening up several block parties for you to join for this one night and uh, be a part of ministering to people. And so you can go into our lobbies to our iPads or you can go online and find a block party to sign up for. We do need you to sign up if you want to be a part of it. And I want to encourage you, even if you can't be a part, to pray for those block parties that are happening. As a church, let's pray together that uh, God would show up right in the middle of our neighborhoods, that right in the middle of everything else that's happening, that the presence of God would show up. And that, that is a missional mindset, and that's what we want to have here. So go sign up if you're not a part of one today, okay? Is, anybody else, is this mic working? Uh, the rest were cutting out. And just let me know. Okay, head nods, anything. All right, cool. Okay, just making sure. All right, let's jump back into the book of James. This is uh, week three of this series. Uh, James is a book in the New Testament, if you are new to us, and it is a letter written by Jesus' little brother, his half-brother, and it contains so much power and so much wisdom. There are only five chapters, so we're taking uh, every week in the month of October to hit a chapter, and like I've said before, 
I can't cover everything in the chapter, so each week I'm asking you to go continue to read it and study it, and many of you are telling me that you are doing that, and God is showing you some things, and so I'm excited about that. So if you missed it, go back and and listen to to James chapter 1, or read James chapter 1, where he talked about faith and trials and temptations and how to pass those tests. But one very important thing that James talks about in James chapter 1 is the fact that the Bible is a mirror, that the Word of God is this mirror that we look into. And as we look into it, it reflects who we are, simultaneously telling us who we need to be. And so what we've been doing every week is looking into the mirror of God's word so that we're not just hearers of it, but we are actually doers of God's word. And that is really a big theme of the book of James. And in chapter two, he really hammers that home, uh, talking about how our works prove our faith. They don't earn anything in our faith or salvation, but they prove our faith. And so I want to go right into James chapter three today. And I'm just going to cover the first 12 verses, the final four or five you're going to need to study on your own. But he talks a lot about your words, and that's what we're going to talk about today is our words, something that affects all of us. So before we get started, just turn to your neighbor and say, watch your mouth, okay? Watch, in love, in love. Really, if there's no neighbor next to you, you need to say it to yourself, okay? Because it's something we all, hey, some of y'all are getting a little too excited about it. There was no finger pointing that was needed. I saw some of you pointing the finger. I just said, say it. Say, watch your mouth. Uh, See, that's what happens when we talk. Anyway, we're going to get into that today. A study uh, I read a while back, I don't know how accurate it is today, but a study I read a while back said that men on average say five to 7,000 words per day. And women on average say 10 to 20,000 words per day. And now that's not a blanket statement because I know men that say 10 to 20,000 words per day and women who say five to seven, right? It's an average, okay? Um, And that doesn't even include texts and email and social media posts. That's just the words that we say. And your boy has four ladies in my house. (laughs) Words are not lacking in my home. There are always words being spoken, but words are very uh, powerful, and potentially very dangerous. And that's what James is going to talk about today. So let's jump into James chapter 3, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can follow along here. He says this in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This is a really encouraging verse to me <laughs> as I'm standing up here teaching. Uh, Honestly, it is, a, it is a verse that has kept me on my face before the Lord because the fear of God is in me over this verse that I know that I'm going to be judged more strictly by what I say and what I teach from God's word. But then James is like, it's not just those who teach. Really, it's going to be all of us because we all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And we know that there is no such thing as a perfect person. Right? which means that all of us stumble in this way. And if you were to take the other verse, you could say all of us in some way are teachers. If you're a parent, you're a teacher. If you're a coach, you're a teacher. If you own a business, you're a teacher. If you're a leader in any way, you are a teacher because you are using your words to influence people. And James alludes to this, but really there are two kinds of people or two kinds of teachers today. There are those who are imperfect, but don't know it, don't own it, and don't work on it. Then there are those who are imperfect and do know it and do own it and do work on it. So we have a choice. We're imperfect either way. The question is, are we going to own it? Are we going to work on it? Are we going to be oblivious to the fact that we have a problem with our words? 
And he alludes also to the fact that there will be some level of judgment. And all of us really are going to be judged in three ways when it comes to our words. First, we're going to be judged by others. We talked a little bit about that last week, but the reality is, is what we say, what we write, what we text is being judged by other people. In fact, I would just say this to every young person, really all of us, but specifically young people today, be careful what you're writing and saying online because it's there and they will go back and look at it and a lot of employers will look at your history of your online footprint to see if they want to hire you. They look at everything you said, everything you posted, every video you recorded to see what kind of person you are, to see if you are material they want to hire. And if you ever want to run for office or anything political, they're looking at your third grade MySpace and they're trying to figure out what did you do (laughs) when you were a kid. I mean, they'll dig it up. It doesn't matter, right? So we just, we got to be careful because we're going to be judged by others. The second kind of judgment that needs to happen is the judgment of yourself, All of us need to judge ourselves. This is a self-evaluation, a self-audit of what we're saying and writing. And we're going to do some of that today. And the third one is we're going to be judged by God for our words, right? We know that teachers are, but really everybody is. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. We're all going to be judged at some level by what we say. It's either going to justify us or it's going to condemn us. Every word that's spoken. Now, I know it's getting a little bit scary here today because we're thinking of the words that we have said. But as we think about that and we judge ourselves, the question is, is are our words bringing ministry to others or are they bringing misery to others? Are they building them up or are they tearing them down? I love this scripture in Proverbs. I told you that James is often called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And I believe that the Proverbs heavily influenced his writing. In fact, I have a lot of scriptures out of Proverbs today, too many, honestly. And so uh, I couldn't put them all in here, but look at this one. I love this verse in Proverbs 10, 21. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for a lack of sense. I love this word picture because your words have the ability to nourish people. Think about just that, that nourishment. What does nourishment mean? It means I'm getting fed by it. And when you think about it and you're self-evaluating, that means everything you write, everything you text, everything you post, and everything you say, is it bringing life to somebody? Is it nourishing them? In fact, I, I, I love this thought to think about for all of us today, is if your words nourish people around you, are the people around you healthy or malnourished? This was something that I was having to process through myself as I read James and looked into the mirror. I'm like, are the people around me healthier because of my words or are they malnourished because of my words? It's a great question today as we head into this challenging 12 verses uh, from James. And what he starts off by doing is just acknowledging the fact that the tongue has been a problem since the day we were born. Our words have really always been a problem for all of us because um, we're human, we're we're not perfect, so we have to look at our words and evaluate our words. And what James is going to do, and I'm going to read it to you, but he's going to go through and he's going to give three pictures, and I want to talk about those three pictures for your tongue. So let's jump into the next verse. Verse three, he says, we put, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Verse four says, or, or take ships as an example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder 
wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. He's using these three analogies, these three pictures here of something that is very small, but is very powerful. And in the same way, our tongue is very powerful. It's, in fact, it's disproportionately powerful to the rest of our body. As all of those things are small but controlling big things, your tongue is small but disproportionately powerful to the rest of your body. So let's look at those three things a little bit closer because I think they reveal some things to us. And the first analogy that he uses is a bit or a bridle, right? A bit or a bridle that is put into the mouth of a horse. See, what do horses want to do on their own? They want to run wild. It's a picture of how your tongue really does want to run wild, but a bit or a bridle can control a powerful horse. Over the past several years, my parents uh, have really gotten into horses. They've bought several horses. My kids now uh, ride horses. They've taken horseback lessons. And it's interesting to watch them riding these horses because, I mean, we're little people, okay? My family, we're not tall, we're not big. That's why, Stephanie, it blessed me so much when you said that last week that I was the tallest person you know. I know you meant spiritually, but I felt it also... Maybe a physically a little bit. I'm going to, in faith, call things that are not. No, I'm done growing, guys. Um, I settled that many years ago. But we're small people. So I look at my little girls on top of these huge, powerful horses that could trample them. They could run away and do whatever they want. These horses are far more powerful than these little, tiny girls. Yet because they're holding the bit or the bridle, they can steer them wherever they want to go. The horses are not the master when the bit or the bridle is there. And this this powerful picture of how our tongue has to be bridled because the unbridled tongue wants to fly off the handle and do whatever it wants. The unbridled tongue wants to respond in anger. That's why Proverbs 15.1 says that a harsh word stirs up anger, but a soft answer turns away wrath. The, the, a harsh word is an unbridled tongue that can just stir up a lot of trouble. The unbridled tongue wants to just say whatever is on its mind, just wants to speak its emotions which is incredibly dangerous. In fact, the Bible talks about this in Proverbs. I love this scripture. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 29, 11. I love that. A, a fool just lets whatever is inside of him come out. Only a fool gives full vent to their emotions. But a wise person quietly holds it back. Social media has emboldened this more than any other thing. People just say what they want. They type what they want. Many times things they would never say in your face because they would get punched in the face if they did, right? But so, someone's clapping for that. Uh, they were like, say it to my face. I dare you. Um, hold on, sir. Hold on. Just kidding. But we say things we would never say. And, and what they say is, well, I just got to say my emotions. I, I got to say what I want, right? I, I, it's on my mind. It's got to come out of my mouth or out of my fingers onto social media, out of my fingers, right? Your fingers are the tongue of today. And I love that it says quietly holds it back. That doesn't mean you get on there and be like, I could say so much right now, but I'm not. That's not quietly holding it back. That's loudly holding it back. I could tear you apart with my words, but I'm not going to. Well, you kind of already started that. Quietly holds it back. This is something I think that's challenging for all of us today. And really what I put in my notes is 
Just because you can say anything you want doesn't mean you should say anything you want. Maybe that's the only nugget you need to take away from this today is just because you have the right to free speech doesn't mean you should say whatever you want, whatever emotion comes out of you. Because our, in the moments when our emotions are high, we normally say or type the worst things. The Proverbs talks quite a bit about this. I love what Proverbs 17, 27 says. It says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. I, the Proverbs and James, they just tell you. They just say it like it is. Like if you want to be wise, you're not wise by what you type or say. You're wise when you don't type or say anything. Some people are like, I got to prove how wise I am. Just don't say anything and you'll prove it, right? Even a fool is considered wise when they don't speak. This is, that, again, that picture of the unbridled tongue wants to just vent everything. But when we put a bit in it, we can control it. In every one of these word pictures that James uses, it actually grows. So a bit can control a horse, but then he used the analogy of a rudder. A rudder is very small, but it can control a large ship. A ship is bigger than a horse, but a rudder is still very tiny in comparison to the size of a ship. And what is the word picture of a rudder? A rudder sets the direction or sets the course of the thing that it is controlling. And in the same way, your tongue sets the course of your life. It sets the culture in your home. It sets the environment that you live in. Remember when we've talked about culture before, we say that your culture is a combination of what you create and what you tolerate. It's the combination of the words you speak and the words you allow to be spoken as well. Right? Think of it in terms like this. Your words build the world you live in. You're actively building the world that you live in right now with the words that you are speaking. And the question is, is what kind of world are you building? Because you can't build a positive life with negative words. It's impossible. This is a self-evaluation today, right? How, what are we building with our words? There's so much power in your words. I love the way that Proverbs says it. Oh, I must have not made it in there. That's the next one. I'll get to it in a second. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death in it. And, and the second part of that is powerful. It says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. So there's power of life and death in your words. You're speaking life and building a world of life or you're speaking death and building a world of death around you. But those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you are gonna eat the fruit of the words that you speak. If you speak life, you'll eat the fruit of life. If you speak death, you're gonna eat the fruit of death in your life. Your words are building the world that you live in. And if you were to take a self-evaluation of the last six months and just look at everything that you texted, posted on social media, emailed, or said, you could determine the direction of your life going forward based on just what you've said and written. Is it positive or is it negative? It's a rudder, very small, but it's setting the course for your life. And then he uses the picture of the spark. Again, a very small thing, but every time it's a small thing that's, that's some, that goes to something bigger, a spark can start a forest fire. Like how many thousands of acres could be burned up by just a tiny spark, right? It, it can burn your world down. And how many times maybe have we, have we seen how a, a word can quickly spark something massive in your marriage, a big fight blows up because of just one word. A relationship is broken just because of one phrase not held back right? It's a spark that can set your world on fire. 
And James actually continues to pour gas on this picture in the next verse, that the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself on, set on fire by hell. I mean, James is so strong, guys. <laughs> he's like, if you don't like it, don't read it. I mean, he's just saying, <laughs> just saying what's on his mind, right? But it's true. It's, first, it's a spark, but it could also just be a flame. It can just be a fire that we're just pouring out this fire. And the more we talk, the more fire that can come out of us. And, and it's a picture that it can corrupt your whole life. It can burn down everything that you've worked to build. And what is a spark? Let me give you a couple things that are sparks. Gossip is a spark. Gossip is something that can just spark a flame that you can't control. It can burn out of control by some small little thing. Gossip is one of the things that people baptize in the church today. We just, well, that's just, we're just talking about people to help them. We just need some prayer requests. Gossip is one of the ones that we probably do the most and don't even realize it. But once we start talking, we don't even know the truth about some of these things. You know that fake news travels six times faster than real news. Because people don't care what's true. They just care what's juice. They just want to know the juicy gossip. And, and it's like the telephone game. The more you tell somebody, the bigger it grows. And at the end, it was not even close to the truth that started at the beginning. But gossip is a spark. And I, as I was studying this, for whatever reason, this phrase kept coming to my mind. And it was by the great theologian, Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> not a theologian. Uh, loose lips sink ships. Then I found out that she really didn't say that, uh, which I was grateful for because it was a powerful phrase. Uh, Loose lips sink ships. It's actually a slogan from World War II. They had these on posters and what they were trying to communicate was, is be careful what you're talking about regarding the war and regarding what we're doing with our ships because spies are everywhere. And loose lips talking about it are giving them the coordinates where our ships are and they can sink our ships. The reality is the same way with our lives. Loose lips sinks people's lives. It can destroy the lives around you because it's a spark that lights a flame you can't control. Cutting remarks are a spark. When we want to just cut back, and sometimes it's like daggers coming out of our mouth, and we're just trying to catch them, but it's too late once we've set them. I can think of times in my own marriage where that's happened, where a cutting remark came out of me because of a lack of self-control, and I was like, no, no, don't say that, but it was too late. I'd already made the remark, and it already hit the target. I couldn't stop it once the spark had started. How many relationships are destroyed because of our words? How many jobs have been destroyed because of our words? How many ministry opportunities have been destroyed because of our words or lost because of our words, right? We often start a, a fire with our words and then people are looking around to see who's holding the match and when they see that it's us, we start making excuses for it. Like, it's just my background. It's just my Irish. If we're prone to fly off the handle. My, my family, that's just how we communicate. I was just hangry. I was just emotional, right? I didn't really mean it, but we've already said it. And it was the spark that started the fire. And what I've realized, not only in my life, but I've realized as I look around at people's lives for years, no matter how hard we work to build something with our hands, we can lose it all with our words. And that's why James is being so strong here. 
He's being so strong because he wants you to understand that your tongue has incredible power. It's disproportionate to every other thing in our life. Its power is disproportionate to the rest of our body. So then James goes on to talk about in the next verse, in verse seven, about the things we can control. See, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James just keeps going. You're like, we get the point, James. It's bad. It's real bad. We get it. But he uses another thing that I think is even more powerful. He uses the word poison because poison is something that's underneath the surface. And really, if you were to do a word study on that word poison in the New Testament in that, that particular place, it, it has this word picture of venom, like a snake, like the poison under a snake's tongue. Like when a snake bites you, venom goes into you and it begins to destroy you from the inside out. And this is sometimes what can happen with our words. You know that phrase as kids we used to say growing up that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a great slogan, but it's just not true. It's just, and they may not hurt the outside of you, but they hurt the inside of you. And these words go deep inside of us. Words like you'll never amount to anything. Words like, it's your fault your mother and I got divorced. Words like, you're going to stay here the rest of your life. Words like, you're stupid. Those kind of words may have been said to us when we're five, but they stick with us when we're 50. Because it's a poison that goes on the inside. And James is saying, we've got to really, really be careful about our words. They cannot, they, they destroy people from the inside out. So it's incredibly important that we look at this because the reality is with our words, we can either invite heaven down into our situation or we can pull hell up. It's a restless evil set on fire by hell, he said, right? So when it comes to our words, we're we're either going to be the arsonist or the firefighter. We're either going to be the one setting the fires or the one putting the fires out. And we cannot and should not be both, James says. Look at what he says in the next verse. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father... And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water water. He's saying it should not be both. It's a picture of the fruit that is inside of us. Remember last week we talked about the fruit. You can't say you're an apple tree if you don't produce apples. You can't say you're a fig tree if you're producing olives is what he's saying, right? You can't, you can't be both. We're going to be one or the other. In other words, our words prove to us what's really on the inside of us. Again, Jesus would said the same thing, and James had been referencing Jesus in Matthew 12, 34, when he said that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From what's truly inside of us is what will come out of us. And James uses the picture of water. In other words, what's drawn up like a well will prove what kind of water's inside of us. Is it sweet water or bitter water? Is it salty water? Some of our words can be very salty. Or is it fresh water? And James is letting us know, listen, that humanly, it's impossible to tame the tongue. And that's not very encouraging, is it? Because we're sitting here going, yeah, we can see it's bad. Well, what do we do about it? Because you by yourself can do nothing about it. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. The tongue is untamable by human power, but it is tamable by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he made it clear it is humanly untamable, right? 
And when we talk about this, we say, oh man, I, we need the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to do incredible things. And, and a lot of times we equate those with big things in our life. Miracles, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. But the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead gives us the ability to control our tongue. Sometimes the greatest thing we need the Holy Spirit for is to just control our tongue. In fact, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Look at this in Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. There's no law against these things. That that word self-control, oftentimes we think it's just our ability to control ourselves more. But if if you look at that word in the Greek, the definition there is the ability to control oneself, but not by one's self. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can then control our words. So if we're struggling in this, let me give you some practical things that we can do to help tame our tongue through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I saw these somewhere, so they're not original to me, but I think they're very helpful for us. So there's three Ps, if you're taking notes, these three Ps that can help you in taming your tongue. And here's the first one, pause. Just slow down. We want to rush into things, slow down. In fact, if you go back to James chapter one, he said this in the first chapter. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's this picture that if we just quit talking and listen more, we won't be as angry. And if we are slow to speak, we'll be slow to anger because when we get quick to anger, it doesn't produce any righteousness in us. It actually produces sin in us. So what do we do? We don't rush into text messages and respond how we want to respond. Pause. You may type a, you may type a draft out, but don't send it. We don't rush into comment sections in social media. Please, Lord Jesus, help us to not do that. We see something like, that's not true, and we just got to type it. Don't, don't rush into it. Pause. Slow down, right? Don't, don't come back really quickly to your spouse or your friend when they say something cutting to you. Don't bring it back up. Don't go back at them. Pause for just a minute because there's an an insinuation in scripture, even in here, that the more we talk, the more opportunity there is for sin. In fact, Proverbs says that. I love it. Proverbs 10, 19, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's not my words. That's the words in Proverbs and in James, right? Uh, The other version of this says that in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. So be slow to speak. Pause for just a minute. And and as you pause, do the next thing. And that is simply to pray. Talked about this is the power of the Holy Spirit. What do you pray? Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. I really want to say something, Holy Spirit. Really help me. That that word really hurt me, Holy Spirit. I want to say something back. I need self-control. But you've got to pause first before you can pray. Because if you just... Go at it, you won't even go to the Lord and ask him for help. Holy Spirit, help me in this moment. And as you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you, here's the third one, ponder, okay? It's a P word, but really think. Think about what you want to say. Let the Holy Spirit begin to give you things to say as you ponder it. I love the Proverbs. Again, Proverbs 29, 20 says that there is more hope for a fool than a person who speaks without thinking. Gotta think 
before we respond. Think before we use our words. And what do you think about? Well, the Bible gives us several clear templates on what to think about. Philippians 4, 8 tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, think on these things. In other words, the more we think about those things, that goes into us, and then what comes out of us will be words that match those things. Let me give you a helpful acronym that you could write down for the word think as a filter to run your words through before you respond. Think. Is it true? Is what I want to say even true first? But even if it's true, is it helpful? Because sometimes it's true, but not helpful. You need to think about that. Is it inspiring? This is the one that's challenged me the most. Because I, often my words are true and helpful, but sometimes they're just not inspiring. They're not lifting people. They're not breathing life into them. And they say, is this inspiring? Is it necessary? Because sometimes it's just not necessary to say. And that's when you want to hold your tongue. And then finally, is it kind? That's very simple. Is it kind? Is it kind? If, it, if you run it through this filter and your words don't match up with this, just don't say it. I mean, we, we see that reason I spent so much time showing you the, the power of your words is because one, James talked about it, but because you needed to understand how important it is that we really take it seriously, what comes out of our mouth. They have the power to bring fresh water or salt water. They have the power to bless or to curse. They have the power to start fires or to put fires out. So here's the question for all of us today is if your words are building the world around you, what kind of world are you building? When you look around today in your world, it's the question to ask, are the people nourished? Are they built up? Are they encouraged? Am I, am I encouraged by my own words? Or when I look around, do I see a scorched trail behind me of relationships that have been burned down, of kids who are hurting, of a spouse who seems malnourished? And listen, there's no condemnation in this. The Bible started by saying, we all struggle with this. There's not a single person in this room who has not failed in this area. That's why there's grace for us. And we'll probably fail again in this area because there's no perfect people. But we're illuminating the fact that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us with our words, to breathe life into people, to speak hope into people, to build the world around us for the kingdom of God. How many of you would say, I, I could use some help in this area today? I mean, I'm raising my hand. How many of you? Okay, I want to go to the Lord in prayer. And really one prayer that David prayed in Psalm 19, 14, that is a great prayer to pray every day. Is he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. I love those two pictures because it's the meditations of our heart that often produce the words of our mouth. What are we thinking about? What are we putting in us? Am I meditating on what God is telling me through his word? Because that is going to bring the transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit to change our words. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And as we've done every week in this series, we just want to say, Holy Spirit, speak to us. I know that you're speaking to every single one of us. Maybe you've illuminated some things in our areas that we need to work on, Lord. We thank you for that, God. Not condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And if we have been people who have said words that are hurtful or that have torn people down around us, we just say, forgive us today, Lord. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, let us be a people that are known for speaking life, for building the world around us, God. 
Help us, God, to control such a tiny thing that you gave us. God, the tongue is, is not bad. It, it can be, but God, you can redeem it. And so I pray you'd redeem our tongues today, God. And I pray for the self-control of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.